Moses, God had a different promise. A promise to a people of fear. Perhaps Moses would tell a story like this. The living God, the one who is, spoke to me when I doubted him. He remembered the promise he made to our distant ancestor Abraham long ago when we were free. He has given Abraham many children, just as he promised. But he also promised that those children would have a homeland. For time out of mind, our homeland has been Egypt, a place of powerful gods and crushing rulers, a place where we were chosen as beasts of burden, sheep to be slaughtered. When my eyes were open to the suffering of our people, I tried to free them. I killed an Egyptian, but I had to flee in terror and shame and hide my face in the desert. I failed them. And that's where he spoke to me. He sent me and Aaron to bring them out and take them to the good homeland he had promised them. He broke the power of the Egypt's gods and crushed her ruler. He moved the very ocean out of our way and walked us across it in safety. He brought us to the mountain to hear his voice and learn his ways. We all saw that his power was supreme and his ways are good. When we heard his laws, our hearts burned within us. Oh, that we could be such people, full of honor and goodness like him. We all made a deep promise to obey him, following his ways and worshiping only him forever. We ate his food and followed his light and came to the promised land. We could see it stretched out before us, and yet we failed him. Fear has been our master for so long, so very long. For so many generations, we lived without hope. Our lives in Egypt were hard, sad, and short. Our fathers' fathers taught us to trust no one. Our mothers and their mothers before them knew that we were alone, even though we were crowded together in our hovels. Our brothers and sisters made sure that we learned to rely only on ourselves. Fear has always been our master. Always. Tomorrow my people will enter into the promised land without me and with my last warning in their ears. I must stay here on this mountain where I will die. Will they become obedient servants of our God? Or will my people always be slaves to fear with pride and rebellion in their hearts? I think I know the answer. And so our God, the one who is, waits for us to keep our promise. He is waiting for us to trust him, waiting for us to place our hope in him, waiting for us to rely on him, waiting for us to give him our hearts. Moses. You, you may know this, but one of my favorite stories of the Bible, I, uh, I continually say, and I, and I will continue to say, that everything we know about redemption in the New Testament comes from this story, from the story of the Exodus, from Moses. Moses think, about, think about the things that God showed us through Moses. He, uh, he showed us, at that time, see, they thought that a, that a God had a city. And so if you went to another city, you went to another god. They, they thought they were the, the, the gods that were contained in their cities. And, and our God, the God of the Bible, goes all the way to Egypt and does ten plagues in Egypt to free his people. 
he, he, he destroys, the ten plagues are aimed directly at, at, at Egyptian gods. And so he destroys Egyptian gods. He, he shows that, that he's the God of everywhere, not just the God of Israel. And so we see so much in Moses, so much in, in who God is through the story of Moses. <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. And then God, two or three verses later, God says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. And I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. So God reaffirms what Moses says, that there was another one coming. And then in Acts chapter 3, right after Pentecost, Acts chapter 3, Peter gives this tremendous sermon. It's a great read. And in that sermon, Peter applies this prophecy to Jesus. So Peter clearly saw Jesus and Moses connected. He clearly saw that, that they were the same in these ways. Peter saw it that way. The book of John, I continually tell you, the gospel of John presents Jesus as the new Moses bring, bringing a new people to a new promised land. And we just see that all the way through the gospel of John. And clearly Peter saw it that way, and he says so even in his letter. He says, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And that's exactly the words God used for the original people of Israel in Exodus 19. So he, Peter sees this connection, and Paul sees this connection. Paul writes about Jesus the Redeemer, and he connects, that, connects Jesus and Moses together. So let's look at some of the similarities of, of Moses and Jesus. When Moses was born, he was placed in a straw basket. When Jesus was born, he was placed in the straw of a manger. Moses was, was picked up by royalty, picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. Jesus, the royalty, came to him. The three kings came and visited him. During the time of Moses, Pharaoh... Uh, the reason Moses was put in the basket, Pharaoh ordered the killing of all Hebrew children two years of age or, or younger. Herod, because of Jesus' birth, orders all of the children two years old or younger to be murdered also. Moses came out of Egypt to redeem his people. Remember the story of, of Moses. He grows up in the Pharaoh's house and then Kills, a, a Pharaoh, kills one of Pharaoh's guards, and then goes to Midian. He goes out of Egypt in order to, re, to go back and redeem his people. Jesus came out of Egypt because he and his family had fled there. Jesus comes out of Egypt to redeem his people. But wait, there's more. Moses was a Hebrew Levite. So was Jesus. Moses received the law from God that pointed us to the gospel. Jesus fulfilled the law, reinterpreted it in the Sermon on the Mount, and is the gospel. The Hebrews suffered 400 years of slavery. And then after Malachi, 
we have 400 years of, of the darkness of silence, the, what's called the intertestamental period, before Jesus is born. Moses was the impossible combination of royalty and slave. He was born Hebrew, a slave. He was raised, raised royalty in the, in the Pharaoh's house. He left the Pharaoh's palace to save his people. Jesus is born the impossible combination of God and man. And he left the palace of heaven to come to us to redeem us. There's still more. Moses initiated the first Passover. It absorbed the wrath of God on the firstborn sons of, of the Pharaoh. Jesus fulfills the Passover. He fulfills it as, as the Lamb of God, the firstborn son of God. Moses turns water into blood. Jesus turns wa water into wine and then tells us in the Lord's Supper that it represents his blood. Moses brought rescue from slavery, and so does Jesus. He brings rescue from slavery to sin. Moses crossed the wilderness to begin his, his story of redemption. He went from Pharaoh's house to Midian, and then had to cross from Midian back to Egypt to, to start his redemption. Jesus had to go through the wilderness and the temptation with, with Satan before he began his ministry of redemption. There are more. I could keep going. But you get the point. Jesus is presented as our new Moses, showing our new exodus to a new promised land. There are more parallels. But what we celebrate at this time of year and at Christmas time is the birth of rescue, the birth of deliverance. Now, here's our problem in our current society. The problem isn't with rescue. It isn't with deliverance. The problem is admitting we need rescue, admitting that we need deliverance. We don't like to talk about sin, and that's kind of funny because it's the one thing we're really good at. But it's what we don't want to talk about. Uh, Ravi Zacharias wrote, in the past, the difficulty in accepting Christianity was its second point, salvation. Everyone in pre-modern societies knew sin was real, but many doubted that you could be saved from it. Today, it's exactly the opposite. Everybody's saved, and there is no belief in sin. I see that as our modern problem. Our modern problem is not that the rescue isn't real. It's that we don't believe sin is real. We don't believe that we need to be rescued. Our society says that everything, it, everything is okay. Everything is good. Everything, it's all just a matter of your opinion or how you feel about something. Everything is permissible. And it just really comes down to opinion and feelings. But tell me, is the difference between Hitler and Billy Graham really a, a matter of, of, of opinion or feelings? No. They were completely different. There is such a thing as right and wrong. There is such a thing as good and evil. 
And, and I'm sorry to say, but every, every mother and father knows this sitting here. We are not born good. We are born selfish. You don't have to teach your children to be selfish. You don't have to teach your children mine when they have a toy. You have to teach them to share. You have to teach them not to hit and kick and punch and bite when they don't get what they want when they want it. We are not born good. We are born with a, with a, a sin nature, a human nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. We will sin. And this sin nature drives us to sin. It, 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 it makes us sin when we're not even thinking about it. It even makes us plan to sin. It makes us lie and cheat and steal when it, when it does us no good to do any of them. We have a sin problem. We need to be rescued. This sin nature is what, is what drives our slavery to sin. See, the Hebrew slaves, they understood they were in slavery. They understood that they, they were enslaved by Egypt. We don't have a good recognition that we are enslaved by sin. We need rescue because we are indeed enslaved. We need rescue. We need deliverance. We need Christ. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. We read it earlier. It says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's look at that kind of phrase by phrase. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Do you have any doubt that we live in the domain of darkness? Do you have any doubt? If you do, watch the news. Within the first five minutes, you'll be convinced. We have, we live in this domain of darkness. We need to be rescued. And, and in order to be rescued, we have to realize that as we watch all of these horrible, terrible things that, are, that people do to people, we have to realize we are capable of that. We have the full capability of being that evil because we're slaves to sin. We're slaves to a sin nature that's so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. We need to be rescued. This, this really is the difference between Hitler and Billy Graham because Hitler lived in and enjoyed the domain of darkness. Billy Graham understood he could become like Hitler or he could be rescued. And so he was rescued. That's the difference. It isn't an opinion. It isn't how you feel about it. It is. This is truth. There is right and wrong. There is good and evil. And we need to be rescued from our sin nature. And transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. This is, this is uh, language from the slave trade in, in Roman society. Slaves were bought and sold, and when they were bought, they were transferred so they had a new master. They, there was a process of redeeming slaves that, that was setting them free. You paid the price for them and set them free. That's what verse 14 says, 
Jesus has done for us, redeemed us and set us free. But this says that we're transferred to to a new kingdom. Think of this in terms of Moses and the Israelites. When they left Egypt, Pharaoh no longer had any authority in their lives. Pharaoh could no longer tell them to make, make bricks without straw. He could no longer tell them to do anything. They were under new management. You and I, when we are redeemed by Christ, we are under a new king. We're the, the old king, our old self, our old sin nature, no longer has any authority in our lives because we have a new king. We have a new king. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas, the birth of our king. We're in a new kingdom, the kingdom of the son he loves. We have a new king. We have been rescued. We have been delivered. We're we're not just rescued from darkness. We're transferred to a new kingdom under a new king, Jesus Christ. Our old selfish nature has no authority in our life anymore. The authority of darkness has no authority in our lives anymore. We have a new king. Jesus is our Moses. He is our redeemer. He is the leader who who leads us from slavery to sin to the new promised land. He transfers us to new ownership. We have a new king. We celebrate this uh, at this time of year the season of promise. I said that last week. This is the season of promise. We saw last week how Abraham's the promise of God to Abraham was fulfilled in Jesus. The promise of deliverance that God makes to Moses is finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is our Moses. He is our new king. Is he your king? Are you under new management? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider that question. First of all, do you recognize that you have sin? Do you recognize that you need to be rescued? You need to be delivered. Do you you recognize that you are in the domain of darkness, being led by a sin nature? You need to be rescued. You can be. It's a simple prayer. We first acknowledge our sin before God. We say, God, I, I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've done things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus came to to rescue me, to deliver me. I trust that his finished work on the cross pays my price and redeems me. And I want to be under new management. I want to serve a new king. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. We have a new king. And this this holiday season is about celebrating our new king. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have rescued us. 
We thank you that you have delivered us, that you have transferred us to your kingdom, that we have a new king. Keep us mindful of that through this season at least, that we celebrate a new king. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.